everyone, and welcome into Wake and Take. It's your boy Jason, and we have some football to talk about today. We've got some news to break down regarding Will Levis, Justin Jefferson, Carson Wentz is making a comeback. Plus, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of at the midseason point. I decided it'd be kind of fun to check out the playoff picture, maybe speculate a bit on how it could change. So we have all that and more coming up on this morning's episode of The Wake and Take. So let's sit back, relax, sip our coffee, and enjoy the show. I thought I'd go for a big gulp, but I couldn't I couldn't handle it. <laughs> Way too big of a coffee gulp to begin the show. <laughs> Gotta recover. Good morning, everyone. How's it going, All City? How's it going, Dustin? How's it going, Ambitious? You've got a question. I'll answer it really quick. You asked right away, so why not? Adam Thielen or Deontay Johnson for Saquon? Give me Saquon every single day of the week. Jamie, good morning. Paul, good morning. Glad to see you as always. Jamie, don't sip your brand new coffee in as big of a fashion as I just did. That was way too big of a gulp, but I tell you what, the caffeine has hit chef fantasy intervention chase how you guys doing good morning as always let's go ahead and move into some stuff i'm gonna start off with actually bringing back the good old screen share seeing if we can make this happen uh i want i saw this tweet today and i just want to talk about a little bit about it i think it's interesting if it'll make if it'll let me not signed in on twitter on this browser but basically this is an image should show ooh, wrong one all right this is an image from a Twitter doctor, Jesse Morse, good old fantasy football doctor guy, Jesse Morse. And he has some good stuff every once in a while, as a lot of these Twitter doctors do. It's a tough job. It's a tough job, and we appreciate them. Uh, but anyway, this is not really much speculation. This is just showing us something actually important. And this is Keenan Allen after the game against the Jets. And you see this arrow is pointing to his shoulder, and there's something kind of bulging out uh, around his like clavicle. And that is the AC joint sprain that he suffered 10 years ago in 2013. Now, this injury hasn't bothered him at all as he just crossed 10,000 career receiving yards. And again, this was an injury that happened in his rookie season over 10 years ago. And it's as you can see, it still has physical effect, but not much else besides that. The reason I wanted to point it out is the same reason that Jesse Morse pointed it out in that this is basically the same injury that Anthony Richardson has suffered, except Keenan Allen opted not to get any surgery on this. And that is why he still has this bump on his shoulder area. Anthony Richardson should not have that and is gotten, we already had the surgery with it and everything. So Anthony Richardson should be fine. So I'm showing that basically to say Anthony Richardson is going to be fine if Keenan Allen can play 10 years with that injury without getting it surgically repaired. Anthony Richardson should 100% be able to do it with getting surgically repaired. So officially, officially no longer worried about this Anthony Richardson injury, at least this one. Still definitely a bit concerned that, you know, Anthony Richardson just plays a bit too dangerously. But again, like my, my train of thought, as we've said a bunch of times with this situation, is just that I think that Anthony Richardson's going to be able to use this time away from the football field to notice that maybe he was playing a bit too aggressively and probably his play style was leading to these injuries. And he can, in turn, affect that and make a change. Now, that is also what makes him a really, really good runner is his dangerous play style. So hopefully there's a give and a take. 
uh, there's definitely lessons to be learned, especially from, you know, past running back quarterbacks, uh, guys that are so mobile. Um, he can look at RG3. He can look at Cam Newton. He can say, oh, well, you know, these are some bad examples of what happened if I don't take care of myself. Maybe I do need to, you know, figure something out. And he does, as he's demonstrated really throughout this whole process, have a great head on his shoulder. So I do believe Anthony Richardson ultimately will be okay, and you should not panic on this injury. Now, we've had some actual news come through, and that is that the Carson Wentz uh, dilemma, you know, people were wondering why Carson Wentz hadn't been signed anywhere. Well, he finally has, and he's joining the Los Angeles Rams. This is perfect. I actually, I actually love this signing um, a lot. I love this signing a lot because – uh, as we talked about on Monday's show, uh, they need a quarterback that is not named Matthew Stafford. And having a backup quarterback, a discussion that we've had all year, uh, is very, very important. It is probably the least respected position in football, your backup quarterback. We see time and time again, teams lose their starting quarterback and then they're done for. We saw it in a microcosm of a way this week where Brett Rapin had to step in and did terribly. And I think Carson Wentz is, of course, better than Brett Rippon. So Carson Wentz signing with the Rams is an excellent move, not only for Wentz, but also for the Los Angeles Rams and the wide receivers. Now, what I am worried, I think the big takeaway here, everyone tune on your ears, make sure you're listening to this. This Matthew Stafford thumb injury is likely a little bit worse than they're leading on. A lot of reports out there that he's going to be okay coming out of the bye week for week 11 and that he will be able to play. But I don't think you make this desperate of a signing if that's the case. Like, if you're expecting Matthew Stafford to come out and play after your bye week, uh, you should just be like, oh, it's fine. It's fine, right? But again, Brett Rippon played terribly, and the other backup was Dresser Wynn, both of which who were released after this signing. So it is probably still just a safety net, but I do want to urge some caution with Matthew Stafford. I think if you own him right now and expect him to return in a couple weeks, just be a bit hesitant on that front. Matthew Stafford will, of course, return at some point this season, but it's likely they let him take a bit more time. Carson Wentz now has this bye week and then an extra week to prepare in case he has to start learning this system and everything. And again, I do think that Carson Wentz will be able to make Pukunakua and Cooper Cup much more fantasy relevant than Brett Rippon did. Probably still not to the level that Matthew Stafford did. That is still a chemistry thing. I will never come off that hill. That is definitely just a chemistry between a wide receiver and their quarterback kind of situation. But Carson Wentz is still talented enough to be able to hit those windows and know what Cooper Cup and Pukunakua are trying to do just because he's also a veteran and has seen it before. So Carson Wentz, fantastic signing by the Rams. I have been bidding up for him. If, you know, if you're in some leagues where waivers haven't processed, like the Scott Fishbowl, for example, I think he's definitely an excellent person to pick up. I went, I did like a $13 bid just because, you know, in the eyes of the public, he's still a backup. But I do think it's very possible he starts in week 11 and potentially week 12 as well. As we've seen this thumb injury with Justin Fields hold him out a few weeks. I know that the Stafford one isn't as severe, but still, uh, it, it could be a lingering issue. And so Carson Wentz definitely needs to be rostered in Superflex leagues. Now, next up, we had another fun signing. We'll just go ahead and skip ahead to this one. Martavis Bryant, 32-year-old wide receiver Martavis Bryant. 
has been signed by the Cowboys. He was brought in by the Cowboys and reportedly was also had interest from a few other teams. The Titans were one, and I think the other were, was the Colts? No, it was the Lions. The Lions were also interested in Martavis Bryant. Ultimately signs with the Cowboys, and I just think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. Originally, I saw this and was like, eh, Martavis Bryant's going to be irrelevant. He's, he's more so a body in this field, and that's probably the case. I mean, the Cowboys are just feeding it to C.D. Lamb right now. Brandon Cook still hasn't even been unlocked, so it's hard to say that Martavis Bryant is actually going to be able to earn himself a role. But I did just want to come on to the Wake and Take and give Martavis Bryant a round of applause. Because how difficult, how difficult is it not only to get into the NFL, but also to get suspended in 2018. Martavis Bryant was suspended in 2018 for substance abuse, finally got reinstated, and he's still at a football playing level. That is a remarkable feat genuinely to be 32 years old and to have interest from three teams after not playing NFL football in five years, genuinely remarkable. And I just, I want to be able to give Martavis Bryant just, just some sort of recognition for that. I don't know how relevant he'll be, but the fact that he's kept himself in shape all these years says a lot about his character and how much he wants to play this game and to bring that home even more. Since 2021, Martavis Bryant has been sort of a journeyman. He played in the CFL for the Toronto Argonauts and the Edmonton Elks. Then he moved on to the XFL for the Vegas Vipers and then also played in fan control football and played in the indoor football league for the Massachusetts Pirates. Martavis Bryant clearly loves football and wants to keep playing. So again, just... Good for him getting back on the field. Good for him for battling the substance abuse issue and to be able to get reinstated and to still be able to join a football team at 32 years old cannot be overstated or understated how remarkable of a feat that is. So, so again, congratulations to Martavis Bryant. Next up, Will Levis was officially named the Tennessee Titans starter. This is no surprise. When he was announced the starter two weeks ago, I said he was going to be the starter rest of the season. He is way too talented and unlocks this offense in a way that no one else could on that team. Malik Willis had a shot, failed. Ryan Tannehill was obviously losing a step. Ryan Tannehill, uh, I guess the stat I want to point out is in the past two weeks that we've had Will Levis starting, he's thrown for 500 pass yards exactly. He's had four passing touchdowns and only one interception. Granted, four touchdowns was in one game and one interception was in the next game but still throwing for over 250 yards in back-to-back games is pretty nice. Well, around that. Um, And to really bring it home, Ryan Tannehill, it took him four games this season to cross 500 pass yards. So to see Will Levis do it in two, especially just his first two starts, really does show how good he can be and how much better this Tennessee Titans offense will look. Again, I'm making an all-call to buy Tennessee Titans pass catchers all the way down to Kyle Phillips. Uh, not just because, not because they're going to be startable week in, week out. That's not what I'm trying to say. I put this quote on Instagram by the Tennessee Titans pass catchers and it got a lot of hate. I'm not going to lie. Everyone was like, oh, well, Joe Burrow can't even sustain three pass catchers. Why would Will Levis be able to do that? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that fantasy football value for these players is going to go up plain and simple. You're not maybe going to be able to start them every week, but sometimes you're going to be like, you know what? 
Kyle Phillips really matches up well, and he's been getting fed and producing. I'm going to throw Kyle Phillips into my lineup. Chico Conquo, he's very athletic, right? And we could see it start to develop with Will Levis. Basically, what I'm saying is this Titans offense, this is just the beginning of the new era in Tennessee. And it's going to be Will Levis for the foreseeable future. So I, I want to get any piece of this offense I can before they get any better. Uh, and that's just simple economics, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and just real quick on Ryan Tannehill, in case you were wondering, Ryan Tannehill will be a free agent at the end of the season. No, 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 like fireworks with it at all. He actually completely finished his contract with the team. We'll just be able to walk uh, and probably explore the market. It's important to note he is 35 years old. That's not incredibly old for quarterbacks, but given he did lose a step this year and is kind of a system uh, dependent quarterback in that he really does need some play action to be able to be good. I don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to get unless it's a team maybe like the Falcons, but I would hope to God the Falcons do not bring in Ryan Tannehill. He should be able to be a good backup. In fact, maybe he could just stay in Tennessee on a cheap deal, but I can't imagine that Ryan Tannehill ends up as like a starter next year uh, unless it's a really, really desperate team. But just something to keep your eye on for sure as Ryan Tannehill will be exploring his options. Next, we talked about this a little bit yesterday on my Arthur Smith rant, the fact that he is basically just using Bijan Robinson as a decoy. You've all probably seen the quote from by now. Uh, Bijan Robinson is making a big impact away from the ball. Yes, you've heard that right. The Falcons spent the number one eight overall pick on Bijan Robinson to be used as a decoy. Yesterday, we talked about it. This was the screen, the John o. Smith screen that he ended up taking to the house. Arthur Smith is calling himself a genius for that play because he took Bijan Robinson out of it and made John o. Smith the focus. And it wasn't totally just a random lucky play that John o. Smith was able to score. It was because Bijan Robinson was a decoy. Come on, Arthur Smith. Just admit you're using the guy wrong and move on. Look at this stat I found on the NFL subreddit this morning. Atlanta Falcons carries inside the 10-yard line. Tyler Algier has 10. Desmond Ritter has 5. Cordero Patterson has 2. Kaderil Hodge has 1. Jonu Smith has 1. And B. Sean Robinson only has 2 carries all season inside the 10-yard line. That is malpractice. Get the ball in your playmaker's hands and move on Arthur Smith. Uh, I don't know why it has to be so hard and you have to be so cute with it. Just put the ball in Bijan Robinson's hand. He looked so good the first four weeks of the season and then you got maybe mad at him for having a migraine. I don't know what it is, but something's not right and it's clearly an Arthur Smith issue. Get him out of here. Again, calling for the fire. I will say this. I'm just going to go ahead and use this platform for this. I think Arthur Smith gets fired after this weekend. I think that Arthur Smith gets fired after the Falcons lose to the Cardinals, and he is set packing as the Falcons head into their bye week and try to figure things out because Arthur Smith is clearly a problem and not getting things done. You could see it on the face of Terry Fontenot in interviews. Just go go to Twitter right now and look up Terry Fontenot. There's a hilarious picture of him just looking pissed off while sitting next to Arthur Smith. Better days are coming. Buy your Falcons now because again, Arthur Smith will be leaving this team. It's too it, he has to. Uh next up I want to give some coach propaganda. As we talk about a bad coach in Arthur Smith, I want to talk about a good coach. First, I have two coaches to talk about today. You guys know I love my coaching. Mike Tomlin 
I saw a really good interview. It's too long to show. It would just be an awkward airtime. So I'm just going to quickly describe what happened. Basically on Monday or maybe yesterday, Mike Tomlin was asked in an interview, basically why Kenny Pickett was so good in the fourth quarter and not good in the other quarters. The reporter phrased it as um, Kenny Pickett sucking in the first three quarters and didn't mention how good he was in the fourth quarter. Basically it was just like, hey, why is Kenny Pickett so bad in quarters one through three? And then Mike Tomlin goes, well, how good is he in the fourth quarter? That's a really good response. And then Mike Tomlin really went on and on and raved about how Kenny Pickett elevates himself in the fourth quarter. And that's what he likes. He likes that the, that the quarterback becomes focused and all of that fun stuff. And then did, of course, end it with, we just need to work on the other quarters. But the fact that he goes to bat for his quarterback, the fact that he says, hey, you know, I know you're bringing up the stats, the bad stats, but why aren't you phrasing it in a good way? Why aren't you saying, hey, why is Kenny Pickett so good in the fourth? That's the question that should have been asked. And the fact that Mike Tomlin was able to deduce that on the spot very quickly and then go on to defend his quarterback is exactly why he's been one of the longest tenured head coaches actively in the league and one of just the best all time. That's what it takes to be a good head coach. And that's why so many good football minds fail, because it takes more than just being a good football mind, Arthur Smith. It takes the ability to be a good leader and to empower your players. That is something Mike Tomlin does really well and something that Arthur Smith does not. And someone else that is doing this in an excellent, excellent way is the new interim head coach, Antonio, out in Vegas. Again, when he was brought in as the interim, I raved about how excited I was and how he's going to be able to fire up this team. Check out this clip and tell me that you don't want to run through a wall for him. players on, on the sideline <clears throat> yesterday that, yeah. if that is the case um why was that important for you to have them down there on the field great they, they got the Raiders uniform them guys bust their tails you know last week was just two days this week it'll be three days and they're getting us looks both on offense defense special teams they're working out in the morning they're in the meetings they're in everything about it but then on game day where are they I, you know I don't I, you know that wasn't my belief uh, our places either as a, as a high school or college Every man's in, man. If you're on a team, you're a part of the team, you're there on game day. And I just felt the way that we practiced those two days and what we asked them to do, they deserved to be on our sideline. They earned that right. And I hope they don't stay on practice squad. I hope they push themselves to become on an active roster. And that was the carry that I dangled in front of them. And they brought energy on the sideline. Now, it was a little, a little busier than we used to, than I'm used to. But you know what? I'll take it when they bring that kind of juice. Absolutely remarkable uh, just choice, I guess, by Antonio Pierce. If you didn't catch it, the Raiders have allowed their entire practice squad now to sit on the sideline with the team. That is something that most teams don't do. In fact, I would probably say 30, the other 31 teams do not do this. And that's just really cool. And you could see on his hoodie, he had the words player engagement on it. He talked about at the end how he wants these practice squad players to elevate themselves and to get on the active roster. That is, again, what it takes to be a good head coach. And it's just remarkable to see these men out there doing this, being leaders of men and elevating their roster, elevating these players and firing them up. That is why the Raiders put up 30 points for the first time this season. And that is why they will continue to look good on not only offense, but defense, especially as they continue to be fired up and led by a fantastic leader in Antonio Pierce. Next, Quentin Johnston. I saw a stat, guys. You'll love this. Quentin Johnston uh, has a 
0.76 yards per route run. That is 94th among 101 qualifying receivers on PFF and ranks 15th out of 15 qualifying rookie wide receivers. Quentin Johnston is being used in a gadget role, but not getting gadget volume. The reason I want to bring this up is it's not a big deal to have a low yards per route run. It is a really big deal if you have a low yards per route run and you're getting no volume. See, that's the difference between like a Quentin Johnston and a Zay Flowers, for example, guys who have low yards per route run, average depth of target. But Zay Flowers is getting like 10 targets. Quentin Johnston is getting three and doing nothing with it. You could even look at like Rondale Moore who has kind of a similar issue, right? Where they're just not really getting targeted deep down the field, used around the line of scrimmage, but he's getting volume. And then he's producing with it, right? Quentin Johnson isn't doing that. I hope better days are ahead, but it has just been a terrible, terrible start for the rookie. And Podfather looks more and more right as the Chargers can't get him to do anything. He can't make any plays at all. And lastly, but not least, Justin Jefferson is unlikely to play week 10 per Tom Pelissero. So look for him to sit out one more week and then return. If you have not sent out your due diligence trade offer for Justin Jefferson, do it now. Send something. I don't care what it is. I sent Keenan Allen, James Cook in four seconds. Uh, I didn't get him, but that was the offer I sent out, right? You know, I, I tried my best. And all of you should, too. Try to get Justin Jefferson while you still can. All right, that is all the news I have for you. Let me go check out some questions, and then we'll pop into the playoff picture um, and see what's going on. You traded Jalen Warren and Brock Purdy for James Conner. I like that. I like that, assuming it's single quarterback. Let's see. Um does Christian Watson have any more value? Yeah, in Dynasty for sure. I think better days are definitely ahead for not only him, but also the Packers offense is uh, it, just in general. Anthony says the Lions being interested in Brian is another knock on Jamo. This is true. I really would. I hope Jamo's traded. I think that this is a Lions, not issue, but I think that he just doesn't really fit into this team. And Dan Campbell's just pissed off at him, as was, should have been suspected. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um would you trade Gibbs for CJ Stroud and Tank Dell? Uh, single quarterback, I assume, because that's definitely not happening in Superflex. If you don't have a quarterback, I think so. I think so. Yeah, if you don't have a quarterback, because Tank Dell is looking fantastic, and of course, so is CJ Stroud. Flowers or Addison, rest of season and PPR. Give me. I think give me flowers. I think give me flowers and PPR. I, I I don't know. I think with Justin Jefferson coming back and the fact that Joshua Dobbs hyper targets his tight ends leads me to believe that Addison's going to have good games. But in PPR, I think flowers is going to give you a little bit better of a floor. Trey McBride, rest of season, get him, get him uh, for sure. What's up, Ryan? <laughs> Yo, <laughs> start Dobbs or uh, Kyler this week. Um, probably. Probably Kyler, man. Probably just Kyler. Why not? And let's see. Um, Chef says that they should be using Quentin Johnson like Cordero Patterson. That is very interesting. That is something that could... Hmm, I like that, Chef. I like that a lot. I might have to go start a Madden franchise and do that. <laughs> I think that that's actually a very, very interesting idea. 
Um, and somebody says, which receiver should I start? Uh, Devontae Adams, Chris Olave, Marquise Brown, take Dell DJ Moore. Um, that's too many options for me to choose between, man. If you could tune in Sunday morning to the Start Sit streams on our YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok uh, at 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll be here to answer your questions. But I I don't have all those matchups off the top of my head and being able to choose between six. Sorry. Um, is Keaton Mitchell the next A-chan? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't think he'll get the volume that A-chan does. All right. All right. You guys are asking too many questions. Too many questions being asked. <laughs> Let's go ahead and check out the playoff picture. I think this is interesting. Why? There we go. Chef's, chef's comment wasn't disappearing here. All right. Sharing my screen. Pulling this bad boy up. Playoffs? We're talking about playoffs? How do I zoom? Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. Trying a different browser. This is not intuitive here. All right. So on the AFC, we're looking at the Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals. And in the NFC, we're looking at Eagles, Lions, 49ers, Saints, Seahawks, Cowboys, and Vikings. Some interesting bubble teams in the AFC. We have the Bills, Texans, Chargers, Jets, all kind of right there. Uh, I think that these other teams that are in the hunt, I don't I don't think the Colts will be able to make the push. I doubt the, the Raiders might be able to make a push, but I'm just going to say no, given the rest of the people ahead of them. The Titans also would like to make a push just to make things look better going into next season, but I doubt they end up making the playoffs. Kind of same with the Broncos and Patriots, of course. In the NFC, the Washington Commanders and the Falcons are the interesting teams to watch on the bubble, and maybe the Rams as well, but it's going to have to take a lot, and it's going to have to take a slip from one of these teams. I think for the most part on the NFC side, this is probably what our playoff picture is going to look like. I think that the only one that can maybe change is the Saints maybe losing the division to the Falcons. But I think at this point, I think the Saints are going to run away with it. I think the Falcons are in turmoil now. I think they lost their chance. Uh, and I don't know, uh, maybe the Vikings could slip out. If that's the case, maybe the Commanders could sneak in as they're starting to look pretty good and Sam Howell's looking all right. But I don't know. I think I I, I like this a lot for the NFC side. And um, yeah, I, I think... I think that that looks good. On the AFC side, however, I I would like to see the Bills and Texans sneak in somehow. I don't think the Chargers will do it. I think the Chargers are bad at football, um, and I would like to see them not make the playoffs so Brandon Staley could get fired. So if we could have the Bills or Texans sneak in, that would be nice. Uh, let's say that we're going to do this. We're going to say that the Dolphins end up losing the East and the Bills end up winning it, so the Bills move into one of the top four slots the dolphins move into wild card and that'll probably push out one of the browns or the steelers let's say the steelers are probably pushed out let's say that you know they just go on a little bit of a slip but i think the same could be said for the browns the fact that we have three afc north teams in here are four all four afc north teams actually uh is very interesting i would i doubt that happens at the end of the season but if it is poor bills and poor texans I would like, let's say, let's do this. Let's go ahead and predict it as Chiefs stay in the number one seed. Jaguars move up to the two seed. Ravens down to the three seed. Bills in the four seed. Dolphins in the five seed. Bengals in the six seed. Texans in the seven seed. Both the Steelers and Browns end up falling out of the AFC side. I think that's the guess I'm going to go with here. 
And again, I think the NFC, I think this is pretty tight. I think uh, the Eagles still finish number one. I think the Lions probably finish number two. The 49ers uh, are looking pretty rough right now. But, you know, if the Lions lose one or 49ers, either way, this is probably our two and three for sure, Lions and Niners. I think the Saints will end up winning the South. I hate to say it, but I think the Saints will end up winning the South. The Falcons are just in total disarray right now, and I don't see it getting much better. If they had ridden with Desmond Ritter, I think they could have done it. But no, they decided to go to Heineke and split up this locker room and kill all morale they had built up. And now things are just looking terrible there. The Seahawks should definitely continue. I know they've lost a couple now, but I think they'll continue. The Cowboys, of course, they'll bounce back. And then it's really just up to the Vikings and Josh Dobbs. But, I mean, he looked really good. Um, And I I think that they'll be fine, especially with Justin Jefferson returning here shortly. I think that the Vikings will ultimately be fine. But if it isn't, it will be the Commanders pushing in. But I I really – this NFC playoff picture looks about right. What What do you guys say? What are you guys thinking? Browns have a 10% chance of the playoffs. Yeah, I like that. Let's see. Let's let, go ahead and move forward. Uh, we deserve a healthy Stafford and a Rams-Lions playoff game. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be so cool. But it's looking like the Rams are not going to be able to make it. They've got to win here and have a lot of teams lose. So I'm just going to I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. I'm just going to say that it doesn't happen. I think the Rams miss out yet another year of the playoffs. But Matthew Stafford still has one more season left in him. So maybe we'll see it next year. All right, those are my thoughts on the current playoff picture. I've already answered most of your questions. Um, So let's go ahead and sign off. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, it is always fun to spend my mornings with you guys, breaking down the news, talking football. I hope to see you all tomorrow, same time, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Player Profiler, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and the TikTok. You all have a wonderful Wednesday and a fantastic rest of your week. Peace.